Prayer is the most powerful thing we can do in our days, but all too often it gets drowned out by the noise around us. But what if the noise in our earbuds could help us tune out the noise of the world and instead tune in to our most important conversation? That's why we're here, to bring you inspiring conversations, practical how-tos, and guided prayers to help you pray like you never thought possible. I'm Valerie Warner, and this is Prayer in a Noisy World. Jordan, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to chat. I think this is going to be a um, just an encouraging conversation for so many people who want to be intentional with their prayer life, and we just know that that's a hard thing to do. So um, yeah, I'd love to just hear um, from you. Tell us a little bit more about where you're from, what you do, and everything like that. Yeah, it's a joy to be with you, Val. So Jordan Rayner, um, I am based in Tampa, Florida, married to my wife, Kara, for 13 years, and we got three Precious little daughters, Ellison, who's seven, Kate, who's five, and Emery, who we adopted at birth about two and a mm-hmm. half years ago. Uh, and professionally, Val, as you know, I, I spend all of my time creating content, whether that's, you know, nonfiction books or children's books or podcasts, helping us all understand how the work that we do in the world, largely outside of the four walls of the church, matters for eternity, matters to God. Uh, So that's why I'm spending my time focused on these days. Yes. So, okay. So I have a very random question. I didn't tell you about this one. Um, so Great. I feel like one these of are the, my favorite questions, <laughs> yeah. the ones I don't know about. Yeah. yeah. The, um, I think one of the first times I had seen you or heard about you was through you version. Cause you have a lot of very, um, successful, if I, I don't know if successful is the right word for it, but <laughs> featured plans. Do you have a yeah. favorite or one that has done, um, that you've seen just, you know, reach a lot of people. Yeah. I'd love to yeah. hear that. Honestly, the highest rated plan uh, is the one we just released in conjunction with my new children's book, <gasps> The Creator yeah, in You. That's awesome. It's killing it in terms of ratings. Yeah. And so it's a fun, it's the first devotional I wrote uh, on you version to be read with kids, right? Yeah. So the idea is that parent and child read it together. It's five days. It's really simple, but it's just going through Genesis 1 and 2. And helping your kids understand that, number one, God works and creates, which Mm -hmm. is this wild idea. Uh, But number two, the sixth day wasn't the end of creation. It was just the beginning, right? It's when God passed the baton to us, his image bearers, and told us to go create like him. So that's the gist uh, in this five-day plan. But yeah, that one's doing really well. And we've just been blessed by our partnership with you version. I mean, I think we got 50 plans there. Yes. I think most of them have been featured at one point or another, which is just crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, something like 3 million people in every country on earth have completed one of these plans. <gasps> wow. That is, that's enormous. That's huge. Yeah. Um, by God's grace alone. Yeah. Trust me. I love that. I'm going to have to go. I mean, I didn't even know you had that many, so I'm gonna have to yeah. go look some up and the one for kids. Cause I think that's cool just for parents. Like whenever I think about that Genesis one, two, like it's just easy mm-hmm. for us to think about the 10 or, um, just like what God created on each day, yeah. but to dive in deeper to that story, like for a kid where you're, they're like, yeah, yeah, I know this story, but to yeah. like take it deeper, I think is really cool. Well, um, okay. Well let's, I want to hear just to start off. What is your prayer? Uh, what does your prayer routine look like for you right now? Yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. So for the last few years, and I, I, I I try to switch it up every so often just to 
just so that it doesn't become rote. Mm-hmm. But the thing I keep coming back to is Martin Luther's method of studying the word and praying in response to the word. So every morning from 5 to 6 a.m., I'm at my dining room table, right? I'm reading a passage of scripture and then responding to that passage in prayer by writing out four things in response to the text. Number one, what is the passage instructing me to do? Number two, what in this passage, what is this passage revealing to me about God's character Mm -hmm. that I can praise him for, right? Uh, Number three, writing out a confession of where I've fallen short of God's character and the instruction in that passage. And then finally, number four, just asking for the Lord's help uh, in living out the commands of that passage. And then I kind of just from there move into an open-ended time of prayer, either by writing. I've actually been using one of your journals that you sent me. I haven't told you this. yeah. Awesome. That I've loved. (laughs) And here's why. We were talking about this before we started recording. I feel like such a failure with prayer. Mm -hmm. And I have felt that way for most of my life. And what I love about the journal, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on the show, yeah. is it just makes it, it takes a lot of the pressure off, right? It's like, hey, listen, make these lists ahead of time of these things you're going to pray for, and then pray through a couple categories a day. We can't pray for everything mm-hmm. every day, yeah. right? Otherwise, we couldn't get on with the work that God's called us to do in this world. So I don't know. I just, I felt like that tool really uh, freed me up in a way yeah. to engage in prayer in a more freeing and life-giving way. And so honestly, I've really, really been enjoying that tool. Oh, well, I love hearing that. I think a lot of people are going to be able to relate um, to what you said, because we hear that a lot, just that feeling of failure and how much ironically the feeling of failure can stop you from praying um, more because you just feel like you're already, you're not going to be able to make any progress with it. So yeah, we do, when we talk about the journals, we really do talk about like, this is just to help you make progress. Even if somebody, you know, buys it for the year and they use it six months out of the year and they're like, well, I didn't use it well enough. It's like, well, did you pray more than you would have last year? Like anything that is, um, growing your prayer life can be, um, we can view it as the glass half full, not the glass half empty, um, that we so often do. So it's good. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that. Is there anything that you tell yourself to try to combat that feeling of like, I'm failing at this just so that Mm. you do keep going with it? Yeah. You know, one thing I have to remind myself a lot is that God is honored in the striving Mm. to be with him Mm -hmm. and not necessarily the details of it. Right. I I think oftentimes I have higher expectations. for myself and my spiritual walk in a way than God does. Of course, his standard is perfection of righteousness. Mm-hmm. So I, I got to be careful here. But my, my, my point is, I think a lot of times we forget that we are his children, mm-hmm. right? We, we forget that he is pleased with us when we just long to be with him. However, that looks, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't think he's too concerned about what specific tools and how specifically we're going about communing with him. He just wants us to abide with him. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Sky Jathani's book, With, mm-hmm. and this idea that so many of us are caught up in living our lives for God that we forget to commune with him, right? And prayer in a lot of different forms 
is a way of just communing with the father, right? So I just got to remind myself of that, that I'm not too hard on my kids for how they spend their time with me. And I don't think my heavenly father is too hard with us either. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Just drawing the um, comparison with our kids. Um, I do know that when we, in the book, whenever I talk about like lamenting and everything like that, there's, there is a barrier that we have to break through where we just feel like we have to come to God cleaned up and in this perfect format or this, um, you know, kind of like, okay, I'm going to bring the good stuff to God. And like, he just won't know about the other stuff, which we know isn't true, but we, we do feel like at least I'm not complaining directly to him. And, um, so yeah, I think that there's, there's definitely that feeling of, that we're going to come to him in a wrong way and remembering whose we are and and how much he, like you said, he just love he wants to be with us and he knows that the standard is perfection, but he knows that we're not going to reach that in our own strength either. So he is not expecting that from us. So I love that. Um, tell us, so you kind of told us about how you pray in the mornings. Um, do you, pray out loud? Do you, you mentioned using a journal? Yeah. Um, are there any other ways that you pray, um, like physically, like even like while yeah. you're walking or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. Yeah. So journaling is the primary physical action I'm taking mm-hmm. as I'm praying, but there are, so I, I go for a morning run, uh, almost every morning after my first big block of, of deep work of writing. And I don't have anything playing in my headphones. I have them in so I don't look like a weirdo just running through my neighborhood. Uh, But a lot of times that run turns into prayer. As I'm working Mm -hmm. out my legs and blood is flowing to my brain, I'm making creative connections. I'm thinking of things that I need to get off of my chest and bring to the Lord, right? So oftentimes that physical act of running leads me to prayer. I don't know if that makes sense at all. Yeah, totally. I feel like um, just so many greats throughout history, they talk about um, they'd go for walks for two hours or something. And that, and and I might've read this in your book actually, but um, just the, the connection of our most creative ideas coming when we're not actually sitting at our desk um, and, you know, making time for that uh, it's, it's effective. Yeah, it's exactly right. I I wrote a lot about this in redeeming your time. And it just, this idea that, um, yeah, every, every major religion has a corresponding physical practice, which I think is really interesting. Right. And I think for us Christians, I think it's walking, right? Like look at Genesis one and two, God walked, through the garden. We worship the three mile an hour God, Mm -hmm. right? And so I I think there's something deeply spiritual uh, about walking that leads to prayer, but also leads to just creativity uh, and connecting the dots between these various inputs the Lord has given us and making sense of it all. Yeah. And I I mean, I think also just where our eyes are when we're doing that, not everybody's Mm. walking in a forest or something like that, but being outside in creation, I think, um, is just you're we're literally getting to focus our eyes on something besides like our phones or anything material, you know? We can. It's not always the case. You could be passing by a bunch of store windows or something, but um I think anytime you get to walk in nature, it definitely helps connect you to our creator. So Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'd love to dive in, um, to your expertise, um, and just in talking about what does it mean to be intentional in your life Mm -hmm. in general? And then we'll talk more specifically about prayer. Yeah, I think being intentional in life is, is really 
rooted in, I, I think it's rooted in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Understanding that, okay, I got it. God, I have been saved not by my works. I've been saved by faith, by grace alone. But while I haven't been saved by my works, I have been saved for good works, right? I think a lot of Christians believe that um, after we walk the aisle, after we pray the prayer, we're kind of just sitting around waiting for Jesus' return. And this is not the Christian life that scripture holds out for us, right? We are called to be crazy intentional, stewarding every minute of our lives as wisely as we can because we believe that the actions that we take in this life have eternal consequence. Our actions are part of how God shapes heaven, Mm -hmm. shapes who's there, shapes literally physically what belongs in eternity, if you want to go down a fun theological sidetrack of (laughs) Isaiah 60. But no, like what we do in this life matters deeply. And so that's the basis for being intentional is understanding that we're not just in heaven's waiting room, right? We are here to do good works that help reveal and advance the kingdom of God. Yes. I love that. And um, yeah, I know specifically for prayer, I'll like just to piggyback off of that, I know I think about how, you know, if we, if heaven is being with God for eternity, mm. prayer is our taste of that because yes. that's our conversation with Him. So, you know, like if we're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to pray, but I want to spend eternity with God. Like it's, you know, prayer should be a desire of our heart. And if it's not, God can bring us that desire. It's not like something we have to muster up on our own, but. Um, but yeah, I think that's just a cool picture of the, the connection that it is to heaven and yeah, everything you said, I love. Yeah. I think we, we, we think of heaven, we think about the kingdom of God as this thing in the future Mm -hmm. and it is that, but it's also now, right? Jesus said the heaven is coming. It is appearing right here in your midst. And at the resurrection, he started yanking huge chunks of heaven into the present right here on earth, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And prayer is one way that we do that. It's one way that we slowly lift this thin veil between heaven and earth and experience eternity and communion with God now, today. Yeah, I love that. My my husband has said that for a long time. The whole idea of that kingdom is here now. And it's it's definitely one of those concepts that's hard for me to understand. So it's cool to hear you um talk about that too. I think it's hard for all of us to understand, yeah. right? Because it's it is tension. Theologians call it um uh the uh, already and the not yet. Yeah. Right. So the kingdom is already here. It's already present. Mm-hmm. We are citizens of the kingdom, but clearly the kingdom is not yet fully visible. Mm-hmm. There is still systemic injustice in our world. There's still uh, ugliness that needs to be beautified. This doesn't look like Revelation 21 and 22's vision of the kingdom via the consummation when Jesus brings heaven to earth, right? So it is this tension that believers live in. We are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. We are citizens of the kingdom today, uh, but we're not yet at that desired future. And the miracle is that God is somehow using us in our imperfect prayers, in our imperfect work to help cultivate the eternal kingdom of God, right? When Jesus was asked how the kingdom's going to come, he said, 
you are my seeds. He called us the good seeds mm. that he is scattering out in the world to help grow his kingdom, right? The kingdom is going to come slowly like seeds growing in a field, like a mustard seed growing into a tree, like yeast working its way through dough. And it comes at least in part through the spirit working through you and me. Yes. Amen. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit, little bit, and I know we've kind of mentioned your book, uh, redeeming your time. Um, so I want to talk about specifically what has been, and you can kind of, um, fill people in on what, what that means, redeeming your time for the yeah. book, but what has been the most difficult obstacles to redeeming your time in prayer? Um, so that it's actually spent in prayer. Cause I know for a lot of us, it's very easy to, you know, sit down and say like, even if we can muster up 10 minutes of prayer time, it can usually get eaten away by distractions, thinking about our to-do list and so many other things. Yeah. Such a good question. Uh, so number one, I think to redeem our time in prayer is number one, not having digital distractions, mm -hmm. ideally, if we can help it. Right. Um, when I'm spending time in the word and in serious prayer in the mornings, it is not done on the YouVersion Bible app that we were talking about a few minutes ago. As much as I love YouVersion, right? Yeah. I just can't handle the temptation to check text messages, mm -hmm. right? Like I can't do it, right? Uh, so that's number one. It's just proactively eliminating those distractions. But number two, it's not just distractions of devices. I don't think they keep us from praying and focus on prayer. Mm -hmm. I think it's all of the to-dos that are popping up in our brains when we're trying to pray, all the stuff we have to do. And so my solution to that is pretty simple. And I talk a lot about the neuroscience of this in Redeeming Your Time. I just have a sheet of paper that sits underneath my Bible every morning. And when there's something I have to do that pops up when I'm praying, mm -hmm. I jot it down. And then my brain is free of that thing. It's very rare that that thought continues to roll around over and over my brain when I'm praying because I've externalized it in a system that I trust and that I know I'm going to come back to later on during the day. So I can get back to the task of focusing squarely on the Lord and communing with him. That that was actually something that you talked about in the book, um, just the idea of how these these thoughts that pop into our head, how we hold on to them and our brain won't like let them go yeah. until we can like safely put them somewhere that we'll remember. Yeah. And I actually I keep my planner, my little to do list next to it. And it's amazing how many ideas come when I'm praying or yes. Um, like to do just things and being able to write them down. It really does allow you to like come back to prayer in a, like, I feel like if I had to say the majority of the time, like how do I have the most, um, focused prayer time, it would be having that next to me, being able to dump that as opposed to, you know, getting an idea and then just feeling like, okay, I got to hold on to this. <laughs> yes. And that's exactly. So to get a little nerdy on the neuroscience here for a second, that's exactly what's happening in your brain. You're holding on to these things. And let's define what we're talking about. I call these things open loops. Mm -hmm. I yep. define an open loop. O open loop is anything big or small, personal or professional, urgent or distant that you have any level of internal commitment to do. Examples of open loops. Um, man, I really want to take the family to the mountains this summer. Or um, I've got to send this report to my boss by the end of the week. Or I really I promised the kids I was going to make them Minnie Mouse waffles on Saturday. Big and small, your brain treats all of these things with equal weight. The problem is 
When those things are in your brain alone, neuroscientists will tell you it creates a phenomenal amount of anxiety and stress because your brain is trying to hold on to them. It's trying to remind you of them because it knows that you can't remember all those things. And the beauty of this is the solution is actually very simple, right? All you got to do is externalize those things outside your brain into a trusted system, a to-do list, whatever you want, and then your brain can let them go, right? You don't have to complete the tasks in order to stop thinking about them. You just have to write them down in a physical place, a digital place outside of your brain. Yep. Uh, it's it's amazing how once you once that clicks, I don't know, you you can see how that's happened so many times in your past, you know? Um, totally. Yeah. And and for me, that's when, that's when prayer started to get a lot more fruitful. Once I had a place to dump all that stuff out of Mm -hmm. my brain so I could get back to the work of focusing and communing with the father. Yeah. And I'm sure like we can feel like, Oh, I hate to have that out or next to me because it's going to be distracting, but we don't realize that, you know, we see the physical things as more distracting than, like you said, like Mm. there's a lot of mental distractions too. So Um, hopefully that tip will help, help some people out there trying to focus in prayer this week. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I would love to hear next. What are some of your, or just one big answered prayers in your life? And mm-hmm. I always say it can be something that's not, you know, I, I know sometimes when we talk about this, it can feel overwhelming to try to think of like, what's the biggest answered prayer, yeah. but it may just be one that was very obvious to you or a recent one that you, you know, is God. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, I, the one that's popping to mind is how we came about adopting our daughter, Emery. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd had a lot of friends, and maybe some of your listeners have experienced this, who went through the adoption process and got matched with a birth mom, and then things fell through at the last minute. Because praise God, the birth mom decided to keep the baby. It's awesome. But it's also really traumatic mm-hmm. for the would-be adoptive family. and so. We were praying pretty early on in the adoption process uh, that we would just get a born baby call, right? So someone would call us and say, hey, the baby's been born. The parents' parental rights have already been terminated. Come pick up your daughter. It was a pretty audacious prayer. Like, this doesn't happen a ton. Yeah. Um, And that's exactly what happened. Uh, We were were going through a period of, we we just weren't seeing a lot of cases and um, starting to doubt, like, Lord, are, are we really called to adopt? And then um, out of nowhere, we got a call and there was this baby girl in St. Petersburg, right right across the bridge from us in Tampa, Florida, where we live. And uh, we got to go and, and hold our baby and adopt her. It was amazing uh, watching God work in such a specific yeah. way, right? It was, it was pretty incredible. Oh, well, I have a, another question off that that's not exactly yeah. prayer related, but how was that... Um... I'm, I'm guess I'm thinking like mentally to go, you're probably prepared for a call like that to some extent, but no, you're not. Well, yeah, I was going to say, but then when (laughs) it happens, you realize that you're not prepared for that at all. So what was that like going from, okay, we have two kids, we're, um, you know, just doing our regular life and then bam, you come I don't want to say come pick up your baby, but it sounds like that's pretty much what they said. No, that's exactly (laughs) what it was. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think. When we hear of these stories, it sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. But when you're an actor in the story, it doesn't feel crazy at all. It's like, this is God's will. The children, the orphans have homes, right? And 
I don't know. It didn't even feel crazy in the moment. The spirit gave us all the energy, all the wherewithal, mm-hmm. all the emotional capacity and spiritual capacity to just do it. Yeah. It was just doing the work. I, I, so I don't know. It never, I honestly never felt overwhelming and it was a very overwhelming. T- it should have been a very overwhelming time. I, the day after we picked her up, I had to spend two days in a studio recording the audiobook. <gasps> oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Which is like, if you've ever, did you record your audiobook? Yes. Belle? Yeah. I it's did. the most exhausting thing I've ever done yeah. in my life, hands down. And so it should have been, it should have broken us, but it didn't. And I, I think that's just a testament to the fact that when we're in the center of the Father's will, he's mm-hmm. going to give us everything that we need to do every good work that he prepared for us to do. Oh, yeah. I love that. I mean, that's just such a testimony to, I'm sure months of prayer, maybe even years of prayer just for this child. And then, um, how cool to see God work out all the details, you know, um, it's pretty amazing that, yeah, for us onlookers think, Whoa, how quickly that just to change your, your life and your mindset and everything like that, that's gotta be, but you're right when you're in it and God is carrying you, it's a different thing. I know I've heard the, and I'm going to butcher this, but it was some story about a, um, a martyr, a Christian martyr who he was, he knew he was going to be burned at the stake the next day. And he put his hand through like a f- candle flame just to kind of like get a sense of what it felt like. And it hurts so bad. And then, um, anyway, the story was just saying like, you know, you, God's not giving you the strength to get, he, he gives you strength when you are going through that problem. And when you're outside of it, it does feel very hard to understand how God can carry you through that. But, um, yeah. And it's good work. That story. Yeah. Um, what about the no's? Has God, have you felt like God said no to anything um, specific? And then what did God yeah. teach you through that? Yeah, plenty of things. Uh, the one that comes to mind right off the bat is um, oh, my second company I was running, we were running this tech startup. It was really cool. We, we had a lot of success early on. But, um, there came a point where we were running out of capital. We couldn't raise any more of it because we we just pivoted the company a little bit too late. And I just came to the realization. I was like, I got to go do something else, right? I was working on this full time. We had venture capital, like whatever. And the prayer then was, Lord, please don't make me have to walk away from this. I love this company. Mm-hmm. I love what we're doing. I think it's in line with, with what your will is for the world. Um, but I had to go do something else. And in the moment, it was immensely painful. Um, if you've ever started a business, mm-hmm. it really is like having another child yeah. in a way. Um, and so it was really painful to see that, that start to fail. But looking back on it, I am so genuinely grateful it happened because what happened was during that period of time, I entered it in the only time of like truly dark depression that I've ever been in. Mm. And um, the Lord had to use that to rip some idols out of my heart. These idols really that that were based on this idea that I was using my work as a means of proving my worth and value to the world rather than the work of Jesus mm-hmm. on the cross. And um, it, was, it was that situation that really helped me start to understand, maybe for the first time, the true depth and breadth of the gospel. 
And so I'm grateful for that. No. Now, by God's grace, the the business ended up having a happy ending. But even if it didn't, I think I'd still be able to look back on it and say, man, that was good. It was really good. God worked all those things, Romans 8, 28, 29, for my sanctification. That's the good Paul's talking about Romans 28, right? Mm -hmm. It's not for me to have a more successful career. It's for me to be more conformed to the image of Christ. And that's exactly what God used that situation for. Yeah. Well, and, and just, um, it seems like that was, that's such a part of your ministry or is yeah, your totally. ministry. So yeah. without that, I know I had a realization a couple of weeks ago of just feeling like I hate the hypochondria that I've struggled with over the years, but if it hadn't have been for that, I wouldn't have created the prayer journals. And yeah. that just like, I broke me into tears to think of how different my life would be and how much I've complained about this thing that literally has brought so much good in my life. So mm. that's, that mm. is interesting just to hear another example of that of how God can use something, um, a, a struggle in your own life, or like you said, like an idol, like something that you, um, and that you are now able to share with others, because that is a huge problem. Um, for all of us perfectionists, I know that's my personality of just wanting to, um, be valuable based on what I'm doing. So I know there's so many other people who are benefiting from that message that you, you know, had to work through for yourself first. Yeah. Um, well, I would love to hear was prayer modeled for you throughout your life or yeah. Like what did that look like? Yeah. Not, not in a serious way. So, um, my parents were Catholic in name only. Uh, and for some reason they sent me to a, 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 a Presbyterian school in kindergarten mm-hmm. and it was through the ministry of that school that I came to know and walk with Jesus. And eventually they did too. So my parents came to, came to faith in Christ, uh, much later in life. And so they were baby Christians as I was a baby Christian. And so I think that grew, like, I, I, I know that my dad in particular is a really rich prayer life today, but I, I didn't see it modeled firsthand a lot growing up. Um, I started to see it more in college, but honestly, I think where I've learned the most about prayer has been uh, indirectly through Tim Keller and his oh, yeah. great work and his book on prayer and, yeah. um, and through other resources that I picked up throughout the years, but that's the one that I keep going back to. I reread that book every couple of years, just because I think it's, it's one of the best resources out there on prayer. Yeah. No, that that's always interesting. I know, um, whenever we ask this question, it's always different. You know, some people had it modeled as a child and that's where they learned to pray others. It might've been like a mentor, different things. And I'm glad to hear you say like you, you can either, you can learn that from somebody, um, that they don't even know that they're mentoring you on. Um, and I think it's, I also love this question just because it's a reminder to us as parents, you know, like we do want to model that for our kids, um, as best we can, knowing that it can impact them in the future or, you know, knowing that like they can find that other ways, but how cool that we get to be, we can do that for our kids as well. I think it's just always, I don't know, just, it always, um, makes me want to be more intentional with the girls. Totally. And I think that's exactly right. Right. Like I, it, there's a reason I, I choose where I pray and where I spend time in the word very strategically. Right. It's at the dining room table out in the open, right where the kids walk down from the stairs when they get up in the morning 
I want that image to be burned, mm. yeah. seared into their memory. Um, that they that their parents both started their day um, in prayer and in communion with the Father before communion with their kids. Um, I think it's a really powerful message. We got to find really creative ways to preach that to our kids with action. Well, last question for you today is in what ways do you long to keep growing your prayer life? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I've really been wrestling with Sky Jathani's book, which, which I mentioned before, mm-hmm. it's an old book. It's like a decade old, but I just read it for the first time about six months ago, this book called with because my work and your work, Val, is so obviously, quote unquote, for God, um, <clears throat> I think I can easily do it without him. Mm-hmm. Or I can do it for him without communing with him. So one thing I'm thinking about with my prayer life is it not being about, Lord, I need your strength to do your work. It's like, Lord, I just need your favor and I need to be reminded that you love me regardless of how productive or unproductive I am, regardless of how much of quote unquote, the Lord's work I do, I know that I'm still your child. Mm -hmm. So like, that's what I'm really trying to grow in as I pray, um, and commune with God daily. Yes. No, I love that. That's, and that's the idea. I know you had mentioned abiding earlier. Um, but yeah, just to experience that it's, it's definitely different than, um, you know, like as we, I feel like prayer is such a journey and we start with like asking for things and wanting everything like, to be, to see him as this genie. I know we refer to that a lot around here, but, um, but then to get to that place where like prayer is just being with God is, is such a, a a cool thing to even think about being like content there. So I love, I love hearing that. Um, well, would you pray for us today, Jordan? I would love to be my, my privilege. Father God, I just thank you for Val. I thank you even for the hard stuff in her life, the hypochondria, right? That you have used all of these things in her life for the good of those who love you, for her good, for the good of this community. And God, I pray for the listeners of this episode of the podcast that we would understand that before you call us to be your coworkers, you call us to be your children. And one of the ways you've given us to experience being your child is prayer and just coming to you, our heavenly father and abiding in you, communion with you, talking to you, um, just like we do with our own kids. So God, I pray that we would recognize prayer for the gift that it is, uh, that we would not take that gift for granted, that we would open and enjoy and experience that gift today. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Jordan. It's, it's been great chatting with you again. Would you tell everybody where they can find more about you? Yeah, you could find more from me, including my episode of my podcast with the one and only Val Warner <laughs> at jordanrainer.com, J-O-R-D-A-N-R-A-Y-N-O-R.com. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Val.